Good morning and welcome to On Fire Radio, brought to you by Catskill Mountain Christian Center, a full gospel family church and Christian academy located at 629 Main Street in beautiful Margaretville, New York. What a great day to go to church. If you don't have a church, come on over to Catskill Mountain Christian Center. We would love for you to be our guest this morning. That's Catskill Mountain Christian Center this morning at 10 o'clock. If you'd like more information about On Fire Radio or Catskill Mountain Christian Center, give us a call at 845-586-4848. I'm Renard Bartow, and I'd like to invite you to join us for the next 30 minutes as we bring you On Fire Radio. Now let's go to Pastor Bob Engelhart with today's message. Open your Bible if you have it, or if not, I think you can watch on the wall. From the Gospel of Mark, in chapter 14, starting with, with verse 32. They came to a piece... They came to a place which was called Gethsemane. Now, you remember, remember this story, those of you who know your Bible a little bit. This is after the Last Supper, and Jesus takes his disciples, and he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, and then he's going to go a little farther yet, and he only takes Peter, James, and John with him, and he takes them, those three guys, a little bit farther, and says, basically, wait here. Um, and I think it, it says... Um, verse 32, and they came to the place which is called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. So this is the night before the cross, obviously, so Jesus knows spiritually what's coming up, and he's really troubled about it. I mean, this is, a, this is a man who's who's the embodiment of God, the Spirit of God. Uh, however, he's also a human being, and looking forward to what he's looking forward to, that's going to happen within the next 24 hours, is is very troubling. You, I mean, for every human reason, it's it's troubling. Um, Verse 35, he went a little farther and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible that the hour might pass from, from him. He said, he said, Father, Father in heaven, I don't want to do this. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. At the end of the day, he succumbs to the obedience of God's will. I don't want to do this, but I love you and will obey your word. Right? Tough boy. It's tough. And then he came and he found them sleeping. So he goes back to Peter, James, and John, and they're sound asleep. Right? And, and, and kind of what we're, we're talking about, Red Van Winkle, right? We're talking about America... Founded in 1776, filled with hope and righteousness. The 1790s, right, the uh, Constitution was written. Um, 
you're talking about a country that was just coming alive, a baby that was just coming alive, you know, established originally by the pilgrims and the Puritans and Jamestown and really godly people. And, um, but there's always Rip Van Winkles. There's always people that are falling asleep in the midst of a, a genuine move of God. And I would offer to you that America was a genuine move of God. And, um, and as a result of the, the kind of the goodness that God has given us, there's, there's been a, a deep sleep that has fallen upon our nation in regard to our allegiance to the living God. So Jesus came back and was very upset that they had fallen asleep. Really upset. Right? He said, he came to them and found them sleeping. This is always so funny to me. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? The three of them are asleep. He's always picking on Peter. I love that. You know, I really love that about Peter. <laughs> Simon, are you sleeping? You know, he's, he always expected more out of Peter. You read your Bible. He always expected more out of Peter. Um, and Peter was the mouth, the mouth from the south, right? He was always getting himself in trouble. He said, couldn't you watch one hour? Couldn't you maintain your brain in a, a conscious living state for one hour without, without your mind wandering and you being captivated by a spirit of slumber? Couldn't you stay electrified and watching in the spirit or, or even in the natural on my behalf for one hour? Now, I say that because it sounds real easy. I could do that. Anybody could do that. You know? Um, I mean, you take piano lessons or you, or you take uh, any kind of uh, sophisticated instrument lessons. What are the first thing they say to you? Practice an hour a day. If you're going for the Olympics or you're serious about anything, can you, can you, can you stay with this thing for an hour a day, right? And most people can't and don't, right? Although it's become obvious that most anybody can learn a little piano, right? It doesn't take a Rhodes Scholar. I mean, the first time you see somebody driving in a car, you're like, I'm gonna drive this 4,000 pound thing around. And you realize it doesn't take a Rhodes Scholar to drive a car. But it takes practice. Um, he said, um, watch and pray, lest you enter temptation. Society that's asleep is filled with temptation. Cheap pleasures, ungodliness, cheap pleasures. Watch and pray. Because the inference is if you watch and pray, you won't enter into temptation. Remember what Jesus says in the Lord's Prayer? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
Watch and pray, lest you enter temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. You know, that's, that doesn't sound... I mean, dwell on that a while. Because we all have a spirit that's willing. I want to be a friend of God. I want to be a friend of God. I want to be like the best Christian that there ever has been. That's what I want to be. You know? And you know what's holding me back? Watching, watching and praying. Because it's watching and praying that creates the Christian. It's watching and praying that creates the Christian. Now, you're also learning the word. But listen, you're not just reading the Bible. i got to speak slow, like slow and slow. You're not just reading the Bible. You're learning the doctrine. You're learning the teachings. You're not just reading your Bible. It all comes from your Bible. It all synthesizes with your Bible. And you are welcome to read every page of your Bible and hear from God. But what's important is what Paul the Apostle said, who said, if anybody teaches anything other than the doctrine I'm teaching you, let him be accursed. So we're not just talking about reading our Bible. Because you can get, you, we've seen that people can get all kinds of wacky doctrines out of the Bible. Right? We've got to learn the, the, the doctrine. Okay, verse 39. Again, he went and prayed and spoke the same words to the Father in prayer. And when he returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. It's like, what are we going to answer when we stand before the Lord? Right? What are we going to answer? What are we going to say? And then he came the third time and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? You know, there's another of the Gospels that said, They were resting because of a deep sadness because they had just come from the Last Supper where Jesus said, this is going to be heavy, what's coming up next, you guys. You know, so so that's an interesting nuance to this. Then he came a third time and said, are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Right? And we have lived in a society um, started before us. Billy Joel said we didn't start the fire, right? Um, But that doesn't mean we didn't help to stoke it, right? Maybe we didn't start the fire. It's always been burning since the world's been turning. (laughs) I don't know how I know that. Um, so uh, that leads me to another book that I recently read (laughs) you're going to be going to run away I hope this is okay because because if it's not I got nothing better Um, the book is called Deep Work it's written by a man named Cal Newport and um, it's really a workbook. It's a. It's not. It's really a secular book. It's about a concept that Pick 
high interest, and so I picked it up, and um, and in on the internet, I found a distillation of some of the thoughts in this book because it's not as long a tome as the other one, but it's long enough. But he um, defines default work as the ability to focus without distraction on a cognitively demanding task. Listen, folks, that's prayer. Prayer is the ability to focus without distraction on a demanding task. Cognitively, yes, it's keeping your brain awake to the kingdom of God. It, is, it took me quite a while to get the fact that the kingdom of God is here right now. You know, as you learn, you learn that God is in you, that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are never apart from the presence of God. You also learn that you are in Christ. You also learn that you're seated with Christ in heavenly places, even now. As a born-again Christian, you're born again. And dimensionally, there's a portion of you that is seated with Christ in the very throne room of God. Now, that is a faith statement. That is something either you'll believe it or you won't believe it. But if you believe it, it will change your everything. We are not pantheists. We don't believe that God is everything. God is that rock and God is that tree. We believe that God created the heavens and the earth, created humanity, but, but exists apart from humanity. We also believe that he's in us and we're in him. And we live in a culture and a society that through what people consider to be human wisdom, we feel like we have no more need for someone who's going to boss us around. This is what my son just said. We are the arbiters of our own reality. We decide what we're going to obey and what we're not going to obey, what we're going to be and what we're going to do. And... That's really not what God asks of us. He asks of us to go back to that garden and walk with God. Um, he says, we just read it, can you, can you not watch one hour? Now, I looked up the Hebrew or in the Greek and the Hebrew and did a study on one hour because Jesus wasn't talking about his Timex, right? Wasn't talking about his boulevard wasn't talking about a citizen watch. But you know what it was? It was an hour. It was an hour. Everything I read, all the scholars say, yeah, it was an hour. Can't you watch and pray one hour? Now we've got the ability to measure time, I guess, more. But they knew what an hour was. If nobody has a watch, you don't wear a little little hourglass on your wrist, right? That's an hour is up. 
as the sands through the hourglass or the days of our lives. <laughs> right? So, but they understood. I mean, they conducted their lives. They had a sense of what time it was. The third hour of the day, right? The, the ninth hour of the day. I mean, there were all of these references in the scripture. So it says, Jesus said, can't you watch and pray one hour? And I believe that we have to ask ourselves if that plank is in our eye. I cannot stand and watch spiritually with my mind focused for one hour. It's just not in me. I just don't do that. I'm going to check my phone ten times in this one hour. So my mind, every time your phone buzzes or flashes or rings, you are distracted for that moment. And wherever you were trying to sink your mind deeply into any subject, you're distracted. And that takes a significant amount of energy away from you going deep. The people who are the great thinkers of our world are people who learned how to focus deeply, whether, whether in a secular way or more importantly for our purposes um, regarding our faith, prayer, study, focusing on God. The more you focus on God, the more real he becomes to you. The more... Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Well, you say, I never saw God. I never know. What do you mean, see God? And some people will say to you, I see God every single day. I mean, literally see him every single day. And I, and I see him, you may say, yeah, no, I see God and the birds and the bees. Well, me too. But there are a lot of other extraordinary ways that God reveals himself to those who love him and remain pure in heart. Amen? So deep work is the ability to focus without distraction on a, cognitive, a cognitively demanding task. Shallow work is non-cognitively demanding, logistical-style work often performed while distra distracted. Right? You're thinking about, you're doing your household chores or whatever you're doing, and you're thinking about everything under the sun. Right? You're not intentionally focusing down on, and, and to be honest with you, frankly, whether you're butcher, baker, candlestick maker, priest, or rabbi, the more you can focus on Jesus, the more you grow in him. The more you grow in him, the more assured you become of the reality of his word and the doctrine. Okay, in order to pr produce the absolute best stuff you're capable of in your life, you need to commit to deep work. I'm calling you to an hour a day. I don't care what that meant. People have, since I've been here, 31 years, people have pulled me on the side and saying, that's really kind of too hard to start people with. You should tell them 15 minutes or 10 minutes. Man, if you do 15 minutes, you'll be, you'll be an eagle, eagle scout. 
But if you do an hour a day, you become a Nobel laureate. The ability to quickly master hard things and the ability to produce at an elite, at an elite level in terms of both quality and speed are two core abilities for thriving in the world that we have today. To learn hard things quickly, you must focus intensely without distraction. Your work is craft, no matter what it is, to be honest with you. The nice thing about deep work in your spiritual life is that it trains you for deep work in your secular life, in your marriage, in your child-rearing, and all of those other things. It's deep work. It's that ability to concentrate. Now, I do believe that there's, a peop there's people who are gifted with doing 15 things at once. But I think you have to hold that gift in one hand, and you have to hold this discipline in another. To some people, deep work comes easy. As a matter of fact, they're not social creatures, you know? But to other people, modern culture is all I want. I want to just be fed, you know, the virtual McDonald's, you know, Happy Meal and, you know, so on and so forth. It's, it's a fast-paced world. How many people do I say I'm too busy to pray? So the key to developing a deep work habit is to move beyond good intentions and add specific routines and regimen and rituals to your working life, to your living life that are designed to minimize the amount of your limited willpower, the willpower necessary to transition into maintain a state of unbroken concentration Peter, can't you watch with me for one hour? Can't you watch with me? Try praying for an hour. Try. Jesus said, go into your closet. Shut the door. Go into, the clo go into your closet. Shut the door. What's the, what's the inference? There's not room for anybody else in there. He said, closet. Shut the door. That's where you become a Christian. That's the place where you become a Christian, is in your closet talking person to person with the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. That's where you become a Christian. That's where all of a sudden you have thoughts that you never thought. And you say, wonder where that came from. That was smart. And people say, wow, you got wisdom and you got patience. Where did all that come from? You didn't used to be like that. It's the hour of power. Can you not watch one hour? Some will hear me and agree with me. Some, few. They actually hear me and do it. And say, I'm going to do this as a discipline for the rest of my life. I had a YouTube with Yo-Yo Ma on his cello. You know, I'm, 
I don't know, I got a weakness for cellos. I really, really love the instrument. I love the, the music. There's some, something about the depth and the resonance of a cello. And so I'm listening to Yo-Yo Ma, and I'm like, man, I bet you that guy put some practice in, do you think? I bet he put some practice in. Concentrated effort. Concentrated effort. We all want to be the child prodigy. Child prodigies have talent, but they universally have great discipline. Um, Malcolm Gladwell, in his book Outliers, describes what he calls as the ten. He calls the ten thousand hour rule. Somebody who will insert in their lives and focus on and walk in a, any discipline, and we're talking about prayer here, but any discipline for 10,000 hours. And listen, you only, if you do it one hour a day, you're only going to get 365 hours in one year, right? 10,000 hours is, especially if you keep the effort up, you keep probing, you keep probing this spiritual world you keep reading the Bible deeper and deeper. And as you learn the doctrines, you're asking Jesus, why did you say that? Don't cast your pearls before swine. Why did you say that? Don't we want everybody saved? I mean, there are some mysteries in the words of Jesus, and they're not all that easy. Jesus, why did you say that? And you hound him. You got to hound him. Like I used to know how to hound my father for a buck or a peck of gum. I used to hound my parents. So Luke 6 12 says this. Now it came to pass in those days that he, was he Jesus, right? It came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. We're talking about focused work. We're talking about a focused relationship between Jesus and his Father. And he went into prayer and he was with the Father. He was not sleeping. He was watching. He was praying. He was speaking. He was doing business. He was getting downloads from the Holy Ghost. He was doing the work of God very common in the scripture to see Jesus separating himself from the disciples in prayer. Listen, solitude is a gift of God. Aloneness, the fact that you have two ears and a three-pound universe in between your ears so that you can have your own experience here on this earth with our God. You don't have to be a sleeper. You don't have to be a sleeper. Arise, sleeper. Wake up, sleeper. Come on, Peter, let's go. Why are you sleeping? Give me an hour. Watch and pray for an hour. And then you start making that the habit of your life. You don't tell anybody about it. You don't have to tell anybody about it. You brag about it, you already got your reward. Right? You brag about it, you already got your reward. 
Wow, look at you, Mr. Big Ugly Man. Right? No. No. You don't. I, people will know. People will know that there's something different about you. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you today, Lord God, for our church family. I just ask, Lord God, that you would give us this power to be possessors of this simple discipline that sounds so easy but is so difficult at first to create a life practice spending an hour a day with you. But Father, everybody can stay up an hour later or everybody can get up an hour earlier. Everybody can take a lunch break or everybody can find time somewhere. We're really not that busy. Not too busy for you. So bless us, Father, with the power to become your sons and daughters. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that God has used this message to minister to you. If you would like to help financially support the work of Catskill Mountain Christian Center, you can go to our website and give at www.cmcconline.org. There you'll find options how to give online safely and securely. And to find out more about Catskill Mountain Christian Center, you can follow us on all of our social media platforms. You can also head over to our website at www.cmcconline.org. And on behalf of Pastor Bob Inglehart and everyone here at Catskill Mountain Christian Center, this is Jake Johnson signing off. God bless, and thank you for joining us this morning.